0: Thank you, Brother Godfrey. Uh, Can we give Godfrey another round of applause? This morning, it was so awesome just uh, hearing him minister just before the communion. It was really such a profound word. I think linked to the worship that we had about the fact that we are victors through the cross. We are victors through the cross. What a joy to be back here with you. I like the fact that I received such a compliment Uh, by the technical team. I will not mention who said this. They say, you look different from that photo there. I said, what do you mean I look different? They they said, you've lost weight. I said, I should have recorded that and took it back to my wife and said, baby, listen to what the Namibians say about me, you know. That's why I like coming back here. So I have asked the elders to invite me again to come back in June, and I'm going to bring my wife. And then the first thing I'm going to do when I come on Sunday, I'm going to go back there to the technical booth. And I'm going to ask the same person to make the same comment again. (laughs) Anyway, it's indeed a joy to be part of family. As Godfrey said, every time I come here, I really do feel that this is family. The only thing I need to watch every time I come here is how much meat I eat. So when I saw that bride that's coming about people coming from campus to church, I started looking at my calendar to see if I can make it back here. And Pastor Franz said, no, Simon, stay back in Joburg. This morning we 'll be talking about embracing change. Um, what a joy to talk about this big and powerful topic about embracing change. Whenever I read scripture, I read books, there's something that stands out that the fact that deep within every person 's heart, there is a passion and a desire to live a life that truly matters. Deep within our hearts, there' desire. And a passion to live a life that makes a difference. There's a passion and a desire to bring change to the lives of people. There's a passion and a desire to, when I have lived and I go to be with the Lord, that I have brought some change. There is this notion that people hate change. And this morning, I'm here to say, that's a lie. People don't hate change. If you said to me that people hate change, then I'm going to ask you, why do you want a new house? Is that not change? If you said to me that people hate change, why do you want a new car? Is that not change? You are fasting and praying for that BMW. I know I'm stepping on toes now. If you say you don't like change, why are you praying for a new job? If you say you don't like change, why do you want to lose weight? Uh-huh. Okay, let's stop there. I see now I'm really getting to the root and the bottom of this issue. I think the issue is the fact that we don't like the process of change. We want to lose weight, but we don't like the process that goes with losing weight because we know that we have to watch what we eat. A little bit of capana, not too much capana. We have to exercise. That means waking up a little bit earlier than normal to get some exercise. So we want the product. We want the product, but we don't want the process. We want the change, the ultimate goal, but we don't want the process that comes with the change. So actually, it's not that we hate change. We just don't like the how, the process of change. So this morning, there's a scripture I read with the leaders that I felt the Lord was just impressing on my heart for this church and for the season feeling and sensing that God is leading this church to its prophetic destiny and it was in the worship it was in some of the words that came this morning and the prayer before the service was so powerful that I so enjoyed and felt the tangible presence of God and I will encourage you to come slightly early if you can to be part of that prayer there was just something in the spirit that happened as we were praying this morning And I believe it speaks about the destiny that this church is getting into. So when you read Isaiah 43 verse 19, the Bible says, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I am doing a new thing. It is God. It is not man. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? This word perceive really spoke to me. And I feel that's what the Lord will say to you this morning. Do you not perceive what I am wanting to do? I'm so excited because I know as this church, you are in the process of building a new building. And that new building comes with new things that God wants to do. Will you not perceive what God wants to do? As this church has been around here in Ventuk for 21 yes, am I right, Pastor Franz? It means that this church is getting into adulthood. This church is getting into a new season, into a new prophetic destiny. Will you not perceive what God is doing? The problem with us is when God is doing something, we quickly think that it is man's thing when it's actually God doing something. Will we not perceive what God is doing? Will we not fathom what God is doing? The people who perceive what God is doing is the people who are connected to the source. So if you are connected to the Father, you can perceive what He's doing. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's no surprise the rains that we are getting. God is doing something in our day. We've prayed, same as in South Africa, we've had challenges of drought in the last year. But we have seen God answer prayer. Will we not perceive what He's doing? He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So the story I want us to focus on this morning, if you have your Bibles, open with me in First Chronicles chapter 29. It's the story of David building the house of the Lord, or David's intention to build the house of the Lord. We'll have the verses on the screen, but if you want to read from your Bible, you can also read from your Bible. And the history and background of this story is that The Ark of the Covenant had been taken away by the Amalekites. And then the children of the Lord went and captured the Ark and brought it back to Jerusalem. And while in Jerusalem, King David cries to the Lord and says, God, I cannot live in my palace when the Ark that represents your presence is standing out there in a tent somewhere. Please, Lord, I want to build a house for you. And as we hear of David's intention, we read... From verse uh, verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 29, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, not man, but God, whom alone God has chosen is young and inexperienced. And the Lord and the work of God is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord our God. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx for for onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, Because I have set my affection, that word affection speaks of passion. I have set my affection on the house of my God. I have given to the house of my God over and above that which I have prepared for the holy house. My own special treasure of gold and silver. King David is saying, Father, your ark has been staying in the tent. We want to build a house for you. But I will make preparations with all my might. I will take all that I have to build your house. He says, I have set my affection to build the house of my Lord. I am passionate to build the house of the Lord. When you read 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, the Bible speaks of the fact that God is building his own household. It says, for we are both God's workers and God's field. And you are God's building. God's building. Because God's grace and the grace that God has given me, I have built like the master builder, Apostle Paul says. Now, when you look at the New Old Testament, David wants to build a house for the Lord. When you look in the New Testament, God is saying, I'm building a house, but my house is people. You are my house. So God is not just in the process or the business of building a physical building. He's also building people. So in the process of talking about building a building, it is not just about the building, it's about building people. That is why Apostle Paul says, I have laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is laying a foundation and building on that same foundation that I've been building. But you must be careful how you build. Be careful how you build. So my challenge to you this morning is, in the process of change, there are sacrifices that we need to make. To build the house of God. And as we build the house of God, God is building his people. Every nation, Vintuk, God wants to build people. But it is going to be through the foundations that we lay with the sacrifices that we make. So this morning I proclaim to you that may we build the house of the Lord. But we know that in ten God's builds people in that process. Can I hear amen to that? When we continue to read in verse 6. Then the leaders of families, now leaders are leading by model. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. So if the leaders are giving willingly, they are modeling to people that we are sacrificing, we are giving for the building of the house of the Lord. And we hope that you will do the same. Verse 9, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Not only David gave, but the leaders followed suit. Verse 14. But who am I? Now David is praying. Who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly at this? For all things comes from you. And Of your own we have given to you. So everything comes from you, Lord. And of your own we have given. Verse 16. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand. And all this is from you. Now, friends, I think our attitude to building the house of the Lord should be that everything that we have, comes from the Lord. Everything that we have comes from the Lord. When we give of our tithes and offerings, it must be from the place that everything that we are and that we have comes from the Lord. Otherwise, we will not be having those things. So when David prays and says, everything that I have, I have given to the building of the house. And he says, who are we, O Lord, that we can be given the opportunity to give to the house that we are to build for you. So we see here David's passion. That's the first thing I want to submit to you. You see David's passion. A reading now chapter 28, verse, 3 to, verse 2 to 3. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart. He's saying I was passionate. God laid this thing in my heart. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for the presence of our God, and for the footstool of our God. And I had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name. Because you've been a man of war and have shed blood. So the first group of people I want to address this morning in the process of changes. There are times in our lives when we have set our hearts to build something from God. And God says, so not you, someone else will build it. What do we do when we find ourselves in the same place as David is? And God says, no, 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 no. Great. I like you. I like what you've done, but not you. I want someone else to build. Let's think about generations for a little bit. Most of us, we have this attitude that, you know, as I'm working in this company or as I'm working in this government department, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. I'm the best thing they've ever had. You know, when I leave here, things are going to collapse. Should that be our attitude? No, no, we should actually build in such a way that when we go, those who come after us can be able to build on the foundation that we've built and things should stand. So even when God says you may not be able to get to that destiny, but can we build so well and lay the foundation so well as Apostle Paul said so that when the next generation takes over, they don't have to start from ground zero. As Apostle Paul said, By the grace that was given to me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it. Be careful how you build. So I'm putting a challenge to all of us this morning that there may be things that we so desire to do and to achieve. But the Lord says, not you. Your son will build. Your daughters will build. Your daughters will take it to the next level. You remember the story of Disney Walt? Walt Disney? Disney Walt? Choose whichever way you wanna call him. Walt well, Disney. He had these dreams, like the lady who shared the testimony. He had these dreams about Walt Disney. Did I say it right now? Disney World. <laughs> Checking if you're awake. Disney World. He had these dreams about Disney World to build this place that people can come and have fun. If you've ever been to Disney, you know, they there they, they don't allow children to cry. They do all that they can to keep the children happy. So prepare yourself. If you're a parent, if your child cries there, they will give them ice cream without you allowing for them to have ice cream. They'll give them candy just to keep them happy. Now, this is what they say. He died before Disney World was built. And at the opening of this wonderful building, uh, while Disney's wife was there, and they were saying it is said that He couldn't leave to see all this. And his wife got up to the podium and she said, she said, he saw it. He saw it. Even though he didn't leave to be here physically, he saw it in his dreams. He saw it in his mind. So some of the dreams that we have today may not be for us, but for future generations who are going to walk the path that we've walked. And they don't have to start from ground zero. It is a challenge I'm giving to you this morning that A lot of us, we cry out to God and say, God, you've promised all these things. Why am I not seeing them? Just read Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 says that all those people who lived, they did not see some of the things that God has promised, but their children benefited from their faith. Their children benefited from what they believed. Do not live just for now. Live for future generations. That's what was given to David. David says, even though I had in my heart to build a house for the Lord, It's okay, Lord. It's fine, Lord. I will do all I can so that the next generation can take it from here to the next level. I don't want the next generation to start at zero. I want the next generation to say thank you, mom and dad. Thank you, brother and sister, that you are not selfish to just think of yourselves and your accolades, but you sacrifice so the next generation can go further. I believe that's a word for some of you this morning. The next one I want to talk to you is what preparations are you making for the next generation? What are the preparations that you're making so the next generation will not have to fight the battles that you're fighting now? When you read chapter 22, verse 5, now David said, Solomon, is, Solomon my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceeding." Magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparations for it. So, David made abundant preparations before his death. Interesting, whenever you see repetition in scripture, it's for emphasis. So, this word preparations is repeated a couple of times in these chapters. I like the fact that the Bible says the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent famous and glorious throughout all the earth why is it that when we work in the marketplace we want things to be excellent but in the house of the lord we can give you know whatever we can give the level of excellence we give at work is not the same excellence we give in the house of the lord why is it that way why is it that when we go to work we arrive on time and even before time But when we come to the house of the Lord, God understands. Let's just talk the truth now, people. Why is it that we want to build our own houses that look great, but when it comes to the house of the Lord, we forget that it must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all the nations. We must give our best to the house of the Lord. We must give our best to the service of the Lord. We must not give second hand to the house of the lord because god will bless you and prosper you to the level of excellence that you give to the house of the lord so i want to challenge you this morning as a father would speak to his children and say this is what i do to my kids every morning i don't think they fully get it i was telling christopher about it they they will get it with time you know i tell them every morning guys let's go and change the world the younger ones, they say, yes, daddy, let's go and change the world. They don't understand what that means, but let's go and change the world. My son is a teenager now. Yes, let's go and change the world. <laughs> you know how it's like raising teenagers, you know. But the key about this is spiritually I'm training them to understand that every time we go out there, whether we go to school, whether we go to work, whether we go to church, we must give our best because the house will be built. For the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious. In fact, our kids, like, normally we go to two services. I go to two services. My wife will go to the first service and go home to take them home. But they say, no, Mom, we will stay with Dad. We want to do two services. We want to take it to the next level. Even the teenager stays for two services. I'm like, are you staying for worship and the Word? Or are you staying to hang out with your friends? We're still discovering, actually, exact, exactly why. Because there's a lady involved as well. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe she comes to the second service. Teenagers are staying for two services. As I begin to close, that's when the sermon starts, right? We have to be positioned. David was passionate. He made preparations. But we have to be positioned. When you read chapter 24, the priests and the Levites are mentioned by name. They were positioned. When you read chapter 25, the musicians are mentioned by name. This is all preparations that David is making. Men and women who prophesied gave thanks and praise with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. Chapter 26, the gatekeepers and treasury officials were mentioned by name. So in the house of the Lord, we all get to give. In the process of change that God is taking us to, we need to understand that we get to be positioned to serve with excellence in the house of the Lord. Each and every person has got something to give. I am so grateful that they mentioned the gatekeepers, those who will direct traffic as people arrive. The car guards are important in the house of the Lord. The ushers are important in the house of the Lord. We all need to be positioned because it's all for building an exceedingly magnificent house of the Lord. I like the fact that they mentioned the treasury officials. Right there, Brother Richard, FEMAP is in the Bible. FEMAP is Financial Management Advisory Board of the Church. So we need treasury officials right here. We need REMCO. That's Remuneration Committee. We need people to serve in those committees. Or to build a house that is exceedingly magnificent. Now, in the process of building, we know that there's also change. So some will serve for a season, and others will come and change, and give others to serve. We need to all be positioned. David positioned every man and woman to serve in the house of the Lord, and they mentioned each and every one by name. Remember, Revelation twenty-two verse twelve says, "And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to their work." God closing revelations, closing the book, the Bible. It says, "Behold, I'm coming." Quickly, And my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. We will all be given based on where we were positioned. The reward will be given. Some people position themselves not where God planned them to be. Do not position yourself where God doesn't want you to be. Go where God wants you to be. Look at this. How interesting is the story? In 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 5. Adonijah sets himself up as a king. This guy is like, I'm not going to wait to be positioned by God. Let me give you the background of the story. David is now old and God has said, look, I want Solomon to be the one to build the house of the Lord. But Adonijah realizes that David is about to die. You read here, there, in 1 Kings chapter 1, the Bible says the king was so old that when he was sleeping alone, he'd be so cold. They would put more blankets, he would still be cold. They needed to get a young lady to just spend the night with the king to keep the king warm. I'm like, wow, this king was so privileged. (laughs) You get a young lady by the name of Abishag to just hang around the king. And it's so interesting that they say that the king was not intimate with the lady, that some people thought the king was dead. I think it's because of David's CV with the ladies that they thought if David did not sleep with that girl, he must be dead. (laughs) The king is dead. Did not touch the woman. Something is wrong with the king. Okay, that's not part of the sermon. But the point here is Adonijah is also thinking the king is dead. I can just set myself as a king. Now you read here in 1 verse 5. About the time David's son Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting. I will make myself king. Imagine that, hey? Some people just decide I can make myself king. I know it doesn't happen in Africa. Somewhere else, not in Africa. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. Some presidents in Africa, they have 50 cars in front of them. I don't know why. I remember traveling to Kenya one time and they said one of the presidents from one of the countries, I don't want to mention by name, was going to the airport. We were coming from the airport and all of us were chucked out of the road, like stay out of the road. Him and his 50 cars, his 50 charioteers, they're going to the airport. And I'm thinking, how many people are going to fit in that airplane? It's just because they are so insecure that they need so many security guards like Adonijah because they've set themselves up. Now, this is also getting interesting. Now, his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. Even by asking, why are you doing what you're doing? Adonijah had been born next after after Absalom. And he was very handsome. We will not talk about his handsomeness. Just because of time. But because he was second in line after Absalom. Absalom had died. He thought, I'm the one to be king. He's just going to set himself up as a king. But what troubles me here is, he didn't have a father who disciplined him. A lot of us, we... Want to just live our lives without people who speak into our lives. Fathers and mothers that God places in our lives to bring the discipline that we need. That is why he set himself up as a king. So Adonijah saw an opportunity to set himself up as a king. And I feel the Lord is saying to some of you today that there has been some Adonijahs in your life who seeks to push you down so they can go up. Now, you need to be aware of this, especially those in business and in the marketplace, that there are some people who will position themselves. They are not positioned by God. There are some people who will try to push you down to go up. But here's good news for you. God has your back. God has your back. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to make yourself an Adonijah because God will promote you. You want a promotion that comes from God and not from man. Don't self-promote. Don't go and inaugurate yourself. God will inaugurate you. David makes Solomon king. In 1 Kings 2, verse 1, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. He said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. And keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. This is a very simple recipe for prosperity. If you want to prosper in your life, be strong, walk in obedience, keep his decrees and his commands. You will prosper. And if we fast forward, When you read verse 9, Solomon had just prayed to the Lord and asked for wisdom. And God, in a dream, shows up and he gave him the wisdom that he asked for. Because God said, whatever you want, I'll give to you. Verse 9, so give your servant a descending heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Moreover, I will give you what you have asked for. And I will add on top of what I've given you, wealth and honor. So that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among all the kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did. I will give you a long life. Now when you read this portion of scripture, you realize that we all need wisdom. Just read James chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom. Maybe you lack wisdom at work. Maybe you lack wisdom in your marriage. Maybe you lack wisdom in your relationships. Ask for wisdom. Now David asked for wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom. And the Lord said, I will add both wealth and honor to you. Now, Where we started was David saying, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord is supposed to be exceedingly magnificent in all the nations. And then at the same time, after David gives a charge to Solomon, what does Solomon do? He goes and asks God for wisdom. And a few weeks later, we read here, the Bible says Solomon has been given wisdom. And they say something profound happens. In his first day of ruling, or a few days after his ruling, there is a case where the two prostitutes come before the king. And as they arrive before the king, one of them, the baby died, and the other one, the baby is still alive. You know the story. If you don't know the story, go read your Bible. One of the prostitutes had slept over their baby, and the baby died. And during the course of the night, took the baby of the one who's alive and said, this is my child. Now they go to the king. And as I was reading the scripture in preparation for this morning, I felt that some of us, we also need to deal in the process of change the way we look at people. It's interesting that the prostitutes were allowed to stand before the king. If it was you and I, we would have mentioned a couple of things. We would have said, who do you think you are, prostitute, to come before the king? Number two, don't you think that sex outside marriage is sin? Number three, don't you know there are contraceptives? Number four, don't you know that government gives condoms for free? Wouldn't we be doing that and saying that? So God is dealing with our paradigms in the way we see people. Prostitutes, they appear before the king. And the king comes with this amazing story and he says, bring me a sword and let's cut this baby in half who's alive. This one half goes to that one. This one half goes to that one. And then one whom the child belonged to said, No, 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 don't kill the child. Rather give it to the other lady. And Solomon says, Give this woman this baby. Because of the compassion she has for the baby, she must be the mother. But fast forward, look at what the nation says after that. Chapter 3, verse 28. When all Israel heard the verdict of this case that the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. He had wisdom from God to administer justice. If you lack wisdom, ask God. God will give you strength and wisdom for what he's calling you into. God will give you strength and wisdom for what he's calling into. The change that we were talking about this morning, embracing changes for your own personal life and for the church, for where God wants to take the church to. So wherever God wants to take the church to, He will give us strength that we need. He'll give us the wisdom that we need for the season He's calling us into. And the same for you. In your personal lives, the wisdom that you need, God will give you the wisdom that you need. What makes us perceive change is hard. In the next slide, people think that change is hard because we overestimate the value of what they have and underestimate the value of what we may gain through change. We overestimate the value of what we have and underestimate the value of what we may gain through the change. A lot of us, when we are faced with change, we... So focused on what we currently have that we're like, no, 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 no. What I have is working as it is. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. But we actually have no clue the gains that we're going to get with the change. So I want to end with a story. A couple of years ago, we had uh, one of the Every Nation Apostolic Leaders come to our church in Rosebank. At the time, you know, Every Nation in Joburg, we have 10 congregations. And Rosebank is uh, what you call central here. Is our central, back in Johannesburg. Is Every Nation Rosebank. And one of the Every Nation apostolic leaders came to help us because our numbers were going down. We were declining. At the time we had three services, but the services were not full. The numbers were going down. And he came to help us. And you know at that time, you know very well that you need change. You cannot continue while your numbers are going down because each number represents a soul. We were not reaching people. We were not reaching the laws, And what we had to do to allow this leader to help us with the process of change was we had to lay our positions down. We had to lay our crowns down and said, okay, fine, tell us what we need to do. Help us in this process. And I remember the words I never forget was very similar to this statement I just read. He said to us, you are laying down for the small picture So that you can have a big picture. You are giving up for the small so that you can have the big. Now at times when we give up the small, we forget that actually God wants to take us to the big. He wants us to see the big picture. What happened at that time, I remember those words very well because it was difficult for Lindy and I. My wife and I, we were leading one of the services, the evening one, which was kind of growing. We took it when it was 60 people, and now we were 120 people, and it felt good. Things were happening. But we had to lay down our baby. Oh, my gosh. It was tough. And then that's when you realize the identity that's linked to what you do and when you should be getting your identity from the Lord. God went there and dealt with us. The things that we were holding dear, was it for the sake of the big picture or just our own position? Do we want to be positioned by God or by men? And we let go of that service and the changes that we made right now, and His people, which is now every nation, I shouldn't say His people because every time we say His people back home, you have to buy coffee for everyone. So I can't buy coffee for all of you. I can't afford that. I know some don't drink coffee. I can afford Capana though. We gave up a service of 120 people. Right now, with all the growth that's happened, we have four services. We are 1,800 people. My wife and I, we lead two services. We gave up a service of 120 people. We're now leading a service of 1,000 people, the two services combined. Now, that is to say that at times when you go through change, we're so focused with our conveniences, comforts without realizing that God has got a big picture. God is preparing us for a big picture. So for God to take this church to the next destiny of where he wants to take it, change is inevitable. Change is important. Change is necessary. So let me give a summary. For those who are here in your personal life, there are certain things that God says all you have to do is to prepare for the next generation. They will take it on from there. Have the courage to let go. Have the faith to let go. And for some of you, you felt like there has been some things that have stopped you to get into your destiny. there some been some And And I feel the Lord is saying to you, you don't have to self-promote. You don't have to put your name up. God will do it for you. God will do it for you. And for some of you here today, I believe God is saying, Whatever you're giving up now, God is going to replace it with the big. God is going to replace it with the big. what you never expected. Because the word says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those he loves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that your power, your presence is here with us. We thank you that you are speaking to us to think about what we can do to prepare for the next generation. What we can do to build a house that is exceedingly magnificent throughout all the countries of the world. Father, I pray that we will catch this word in the spirit, not just in the natural, in the physical, but may we hear and perceive what you're saying to us this morning. May we hear with spiritual eyes, I pray, Lord. And those, Father, who have been hurt through relationships that didn't work out, where they have been backstepped or where they have been, uh, people have gone behind their bags like Adonijah and set themselves up in positions they were not supposed to be, I pray that you will restore, Father. Bring restoration in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, because your children, Have faithfully served, Father God. You will uplift them. You will raise them up. You will promote them, Father God. All those who are here today, God, who their promotion has been delayed. We declare in the Spirit now and unlocking in the Spirit that promotion is yours. Promotion is yours. Promotion is yours. It is coming this year. 2017 is a year of breakthrough. 2017 is a year of breakthrough. 2017 is a year where you will inherit what has been promised in the name of Jesus. We declare it in the Spirit. We declare it in the Spirit that what you've been believing God for, what you've been trusting God for, 2017, it is coming. It is here. It is here in the name of Jesus. The rains that are coming, they are telling us that the breakthrough of God is here. The prosperity of God is here. The breakthrough of God is here. We speak it in the Spirit. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Lord, we don't allow the enemy to steal the destiny you have for us. We speak it today in the spirit. And unlocking of what server has been blocking the destiny from coming. Unlock, Father God. And we'll do our best to do all that we can to prepare for future generations. To not fight the battles that we fought. We think of David, how he fought the battles. So that Solomon will not have to fight the same battles. We are thankful, Father, for David. Thank you for the Davids, Lord. Thank you for the Davids who have gone before us, Lord. Thank you for the grandmothers and grandfathers who have been praying for us, Lord. Some of us, we don't know we're standing here because someone prayed for us. There was a mother, there was a sister, there was a brother who prayed for you to be here today. Lord, I pray that we will see in the Spirit those Davids that you've played ahead of us to walk before us so we don't have to fight the same battles. And Lord, I pray for the Solomons that are here today that we will also be like David to the next generation, Father. That we will set a platform for future generations, Father. That they will not have to fight the same battles, Lord. Lord, I pray even for the nations of Africa, Father that we will have different leaders, David's kinds of leaders, Father, who will set the platform for the next generation, who will not stay in power for 40 years, for 50 years, but Lord, may they set the stone, may they set the tone for the future generations, Father. Lord, we stand in the gap for Africa this morning, and we say, God, we ask for a different kind of leaders, Father, who will think multi-generationally, God, who will not think of just their own pockets, Father, Father, But who will say, I need to raise the Solomons. And the Solomons will not have to fight the same battles. I want the Solomons to succeed. Not that things collapse when I'm not here, but things will stand. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's give God a hand of praise.